So I went to a pub in New Hampshire tonight because I'm on spring break and that's what it's at. And the people in the bar, my family's in the dining room, we're at the, the bar next door, starts playing a name that tune-esque game. And Spencer, I'm pretty good at it. I do it every single week on my radio show back in Syracuse. So it begs the question, if uh, just a random song were to pop on on the radio station, what are the odds you could name it without any help? Honestly, pretty high. Me and uh, my roommate, Matt Zumbo, freshman year, when we would get bored on weekends, we would play a game uh, with a third person, and they would play it, and Matt and I would try to get the, the song as quickly as possible. So I feel like I could do it. Also, have you heard of Hurdle? Uh, no, I have not. Is that another Hurdle spinoff? It is, but it, the first guess, it gives you one second of the song, and the last few days I've been getting it in one try. So check it out. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Well, that'll do for our opening applause for our wonderful guest, Spencer Pierce. And Spencer is here for one reason, to break down March Madness. But we have a few other topics to discuss. And we begin with the bombshell news that dropped on Sunday that Tom Brady is unretiring, coming back to play a 23rd season in the NFL, a third season in Tampa. Spencer, I see you rolling your eyes. I can't imagine you were too happy. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for those that are watching and you see the Jets helmet up in the top right corner, you can only imagine the pain that I was with uh, or been through. Uh, honestly, if you're surprised, I, I think you're lying. I, I think that this was one of the most uh, obvious unretirements of all time. I was more shocked when Gronk came back, to be completely honest with you. This just kind of seemed like it was in the cards. Uh, it was 40 or 43 or something by the time of recording that he was unretired. Um, and I can no longer tell my kids I was in the toothpaste aisle of Wegmans when Tom Brady retired. <laughs> Were you actually in the toothpaste aisle of Wegmans when you got that news? I was. That is quite the place to be. So I have a few feelings about this. Okay. I was taken aback, confused. But more than anything, Spencer, you want to know what I was? mad yeah i was angry i was angry because and i know not a lot in fact most people in america outside of new england don't have sympathy for patriots fans and rightfully so but if they think that tom brady in another uniform is enjoyable for patriots fans to witness you are sadly delusional my friend i mean <laughs> every single time brady throws a touchdown to Gronk, it rips a piece of my soul out and when I get the news that he retires I'm like thank god I don't have to witness any more of this nonsense now I get the news that I have to put up with it for another year and you know what that means another year of the whole Brady mid Belichick narrative honestly though it, it surprises me that you're not one of those Patriots fans that kind of roots for him regardless I, I, I feel I like root for I root for him but it still doesn't yeah, make me happy to yeah. Do I don't know I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow. Like, say, and this won't happen, by the way, but if Aaron Judge wins three <laughs> World Series championships scoring pinstripes, which isn't going to happen because that's a poverty organization, and then at the end of his career, he goes to play for, I don't know, the Colorado Rockies. I was just going to say the Rockies because who cares about the Rockies and who yeah, cares exactly. about the Bucks? You'll still root for him, but you won't enjoy doing right. it, right? Right, right. Right. I, listen, 
If I told you that I felt bad for you, I'd be lying. Yes, you would. You would. I have and to deal with Josh. Well, I guess both of us have to deal with Josh Allen now. So, yeah. Hey, but uh, we may have to deal with Deshaun Watson too. But that's a discussion for another time. Right. Amari Cooper was cut by the Cowboys. Excuse me, not cut. Traded to the Cleveland Browns earlier this week. And Spencer, the first thing that came to my mind was, this is going to be OBJ all over again. I, I don't know. I, I'm interested in that because I feel like Baker now has that mentality where it's like, oh, my God, look what I did to Odell. Like, I can't do this again. And now uh, I'm not sure if we were going to touch on it, but, you know, now Jarvis Landry got released. Amari Cooper is wide receiver one by far. And, and, and even so, Amari Cooper got forced out of Dallas. It wasn't that he didn't want to be there. It's not really that they didn't want him. That salary situation there with Zeke and Dak and just every player making so much money forced him out. Amari Cooper is a top five route runner in the entire league. Uh, so for the Browns to get him uh, and kind of uh, reload after getting uh, spurned, basically, by Odell, I think that's huge for them. Baker's a horrible really quarterback. Say, no, no, no. Did you really just say Cleveland got spurned by Odell? Kind of. Okay. That's, Baker's that's, mostly getting spurned – or the Browns are mostly getting spurned by Baker. Yeah, they are. And that's where the trouble comes in. We're worried about Baker Mayfield sort of – downplaying or for the lack of a better word the reputation of Amari Cooper the good reputation with that because when Odell Beckham Jr. went to Los Angeles he completely rejuvenated but that's what yeah that that's what I mean by he spurned the Browns like if Odell was Giants Odell they would be having no problem but he didn't even want to play there why would you the guy under center is horrible he's in more Hulu commercials than he's won games Hulu and Progressive, don't forget Progressive. True. And, you know, there was a clear-cut case to be made that Baker Mayfield is the worst quarterback in the AFC North by a landslide. Not anymore because Mitch Trubisky is now about to quarterback the Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, what the heck is going on there? And, you know, I like the move for Cleveland. I think that they still need to show their fans a commitment to winning that they haven't shown over the past 20 years. And as for Dallas, it's C.D. Lamb or bust. No questions asked. And if he gets hurt, oh, boy. Especially with Dallas coming off the 20 ACL and Cedric Wilson going to Miami. Right. And, yeah. So, moving on, one more football topic really quickly before we get into your bucket of fun. J.C. Jackson leading the Patriots, going to the Chargers, Joining forces with Derwin James in an already good secondary. Now you add him to Cool Mac and Joey Bosa. The Chargers defense is going to be mighty scary. And Liam, does the Chargers defense not have to like by default, the Chargers have to have an unbelievable defense simply because of what the Broncos are now going to do to them with Russell Wilson, what the Chiefs are going to do to them, and hell, even what the Raiders might be able to do. I don't know. I'm not I'm not so high <laughs> on the Raiders, but they have to have that sort of defense because their offense is good. They're, they're explosive. But we saw this season that they, 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 just, they disappeared half the time. It was Herbert looked like he was the MVP one week, and then he looked like he was a 28th round pick. You know, it, they need that defense to kind of be in those situations where the offense isn't able to pick it up. 
Yeah. Khalil Mack, uh, JC Jackson, those are huge pickups for them. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they had more. No, I don't think it would surprise anyone. And you mentioned that division, and I talked about this with Ben Shulman this past weekend. What if the Raiders had Deshaun Watson? That opens up a Pandora's box for every single defense in the AFC West because having to go up against Herbert, a combo of Herbert, Watson, Mahomes, or Russell Wilson six times in a season yeah. has recipe for disaster. And when you throw in other guys like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, heck, I'll even throw Mac Jones in there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> the AFC quarterback pool is perhaps the most talented we have ever seen in our lifetimes. And adding a difference maker like J.C. Jackson can only do good things. Right. Now we'll see where Stephon Gilmore ends up. Yeah, true that. Okay. Now, you've been waiting for this. It's time to talk baseball. And we had a big trade today. Matt Olson left Oakland, not for the destination you'd expect, for Atlanta, which essentially eliminates the Braves from the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. And Spencer, you obviously have an interesting part of this because the Yankees were a big player from Matt Olson, but that's not to be anymore. I'm okay with it. Honestly, I, I don't know if that comes as a shock to you, but they were asking for the uh, Volpe. They were asking for the top prospects. And honestly, you know, We'll, we'll talk about the, the boneheaded thing that the Yankees did last night, but um, keep, keep your homegrown prospects at this point because in the AL East where every single team can win the division and the World Series, obviously, except for the Orioles, keep your homegrown talent because in four or five years down the line when the Yankees are inevitably in like fourth place or something, then you have those things to start to look forward to. So I really don't mind that they didn't go out and get Olsen. Um, I would have been fine if they traded Glaber or DJ LeMayhew for, for Olsen or something like that. I think he's that good, but um, not not too torn up about it, but really, really weird situation in Atlanta oh, yeah. uh, that they just like, they, they obviously know something that everyone else doesn't. Uh, Freeman must have told him, I'm just definitely not coming back, like do what you can. Um, but a weird situation, but like what an act, it, what am I trying to say? Very, very good replacement. How about that? that that's what go. I'm trying to say. There you go. Okay, and another thing that Rumor Mill has been saying, the Braves were only offering Freeman five years. He wanted a six. So, and we saw Alex Santopoulos' emotion on Twitter earlier today talking about him, and it hurts because Freddie Freeman has been, he's been the Atlanta Braves for a long time. Obviously, Acuna has come in in the past few years, guys like yeah. all these as well, but they, they're not Freddie Freeman. Now, Matt Olson hit over 30 home runs. The Oakland Athletics are in the middle of a massive fire sale. They also dumped Chris Bassett, a very good pitcher, to the Mets. So it's a move that had to be made for both sides. Now, Freddie Freeman. It looks as though at the time of recording, the Dodgers are the clear front runner, But... The Toronto Blue Jays are very much in play. And Spencer, neither of us wants to see Freeman go to the Blue Jays, but him going to the Dodgers would just, just, just no. Honestly, like I was sitting here and I was like, yeah, if Freeman goes to the Blue Jays, I'm going to be upset. And then I realized that 
you're obviously also a massive Red Sox fan. So it's, that's tough on both of us. Um, if you're Freddie Freeman, why, why would you not go to the Dodgers? Right. That, that this seems to be the sentiment for every free agent at this point. Um, the Blue Jays are, are an interesting case because if they can start to mix veterans with really good signings and their young guys, like, Oh my God, the two of us better watch out. Oh, I'm, I'm already worried about what they're going to do. Yeah. This but, year because but, they're, they're but, also in the market for Kyle Schwarber. Right. But so my example of the Yankees being closer to a, a, a rebuild than a championship kind of resembles what the, what the A's are going through right now, right? Where they were neck and neck with the Astros every season for years. They had Olsen, they had Chapman, they had Simeon, they had, you, you know, you name it. Mark Hanna even. And now look at what's happening because there was just no, there, there was no way that they, they were ever going to make anything uh, higher than the ALDS. So that's where I feel like the Yankees are right now, not to bring it back to them, but I feel like there's just so much competition in the AL East that like, what's the point? And if Freddie Freeman ends up going up North, then, uh, then you and I are in a, a world of hurt for n- n- nine months. Then put your hands in this motion and say a prayer. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. Now, bit, bit of sadder news now. Fernando Tatis out for three months due to a fractured wrist. Well, first of all, this is absolutely killer for the San Diego Padres. I mean, any hope they had is now completely eradicated. But another thing that I feel like isn't being talked about enough is that because of the lockout, Fernando Tatis could not consult with Padres medical experts. Yeah, uh, I was reading today that, I mean, I'm sure we're on the same page here, but he got in a pretty bad motorcycle accident in December. So I think that that kind of stems from that, but really surprising news uh, today, you know, the, the Padres just seem to be one of those teams that have the injury bug. You know, you look at all their pitchers getting hurt every two seconds, every time you turn around uh, and anytime your, your face of your sport goes down and is going to be out for an extended amount of Did time. Did you just call Tatis the face of the sport? He's one of the faces of the sport. Okay. He's not the face of the sport, though. Obviously not, but he's more marketable than some people. Yeah. Well, but anytime someone like that goes down, uh, not so good, especially coming out of a lockout. Yeah. No kidding. And when you look at the Padres last season, nothing short of a disaster. They get off the hot start, then a complete collapse, the incident between Machado and Tatis in the dugout, and this just has the makings of another letdown. And you can say what you want about whether or not Sai Suzuki joins the club, but they're actively shopping both Will Myers and Eric Hosmer. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Hosmer, yeah. Hosmer and Myers are... If it was 2014, I'd be all over it. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not. Unfortunately, it is not. Okay. Moving down the line, Nelson Cruz signed a deal with the Nationals. I mean, for, I don't know why he chose DC, but it's a move the Nationals had to make because they're showing Juan Soto they're kind of sort of committed to winning. And he said this past offseason, if the Nationals aren't going to want to win, get me out of here. 
Yeah, I'm just happy to see Nelson Cruz going out of the AL. Finally. Like, what a sigh of relief. I, I can't stand the guy, genuinely. Why? Why? I just – he's just one of those guys I just cannot get behind. Uh, I mean – Also, another one of those guys we're going to talk about in, I'm sure, two or three minutes. Oh, boy. And Nelson Cruz, and all the reasons he got under my bad size because in the ALDS last year, he hit the most Mickey Mouse home run you will ever see because of Tropicana Field's stupid ground rules. But I need to take that up with the commissioner's office, not my friend Spencer Pierce. We can and, go together if you want. I'm down. Oh, yeah? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Hop in. Yeah, drive down to Manhattan one weekend. I'm down with it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> All right. It, well, I guess we I guess we have to go down to Manhattan sometime. Okay, mm-hmm. but joking aside, I mean the Nats aren't going anywhere. So Nelson Cruz is just living out the rest of his playing days and look for him to potentially be traded this summer. Now, the Mariners and Reds made a trade today. Seattle picked up Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from Cincinnati in exchange for a package of prospects. The Mariners were on the verge of playoff attention last year. However, the Seattle Mariners were probably the most fraudulent team baseball has ever seen in a long time. So with that, even with these new pieces, I still think they're taking a step back this year. Interesting. I was going to say, I think the, the, I think it's great for them. It's great for them, but at the same time, do you think that... I will say, I will agree with you that towards the end of the season, it was kind of like one of those, like, all right, like, this is never going to amount to anything. I don't think they have the right pieces, but I think it started to work, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, definitely and Winker is, Winker is a huge pickup for them because he absolutely mashes right-handed pitching, and in that division almost everyone's right-handed. So I think that's, that's huge for them. Suarez is obviously uh, super underrated. I think I am with you though. Um, especially, you know, in that I'll, division. I'll, I'll also tell you why they're frauds. Their run differential last year, minus 51. Here's some teams that had a better or comparable run differential. Uh-oh. The Cleveland Guardians, the Detroit Tigers. The they were good for five minutes. They, were, they weren't bad. The Philadelphia Phillies. The New York Mets, the Colorado Rockies. Okay, that one's better. Yeah. If you're sitting here and telling me last year's Mariners were in the same class as the Sox or the Jays or the Yanks, I'm not buying it. But these moves obviously do help out. Winkers, Winker and Suarez for that both have fantastic power bats. And it shows their fans that they're trying to find sustainability. That's, that, that just feels like like you just kind of hit that on the head. I think there has been no happiness in Seattle baseball since I've been alive. Genuinely. The happiest they've been was when they signed Robinson Cano for $5 billion and they (laughs) broke my little 10 year old heart. That was the best moment in Seattle Mariners history in the last 10 years. uh, One thing I will say about this though, I'm sure looking back on it now, you're happy they got rid of him. He's still my favorite player ever. But I'm happy. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, he turned out to be a pretty bad guy, huh? No kidding. But, <laughs> don't, all right, enough Robinson Cano talk. I mean, 
Seattle baseball as a whole hasn't seen happiness since Ken Griffey Jr. wore those colors. And as far as I'm concerned, he's not coming back anytime soon. All right. We wrap up our baseball talk with the topic I have been looking forward to for a while. The New York Yankees yesterday pulled off a trade that made one of the stupidest things I have ever seen a front office do. Whooping away. Oh, okay, that's a, okay, that's a bit of a stretch. Shipping away Gio Rochelle and Glaber San, Gio Rochelle and Gary Sanchez in exchange for a catcher prospect who's supposedly good, but so is Gary Sanchez. Isaiah Kiner Falefa and the corpse of Josh Donaldson. First of all, I want to start with this. What I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall during the first meeting between Josh Donaldson and Garrett Cole. It's a good point. It's a good point. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I think so too. <sighs> um, I'm going to set, set down my soapbox real quick to stand on. Uh, shocking, right? That's the first, that's the first reaction that I had. Um, Gary was gone regardless. Geo, great guy, heart of the team. Uh, that 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 hurts more than Gary, to be completely honest with you, because every Yankees fan wanted Gary's head. He was a horrible defender. Kyle Higashioka was a better defender than him, and Gary's bat wasn't making up for his defense, which it was a few years ago. With that being said, as an optimist, I look at it as they can't be dumb. The New York Yankees cannot have Josh Donaldson as their starting third baseman and Isaiah Connor Falefa as their starting shortstop. As the pessimist, I say, absolutely they can. This team is cheap. They took on Josh Donaldson's $50 million contract. Um, Connor Falefa is not as bad as people, I think, pin him as. I don't think he's, you know, the Yankees shortstop that they're really hoping for. But he's a, he's a stopgap, right? That, that's kind of what everyone's calling him. He's the stop right. until he's the stop until Anthony Volpe's ready or Oswald Peraza's ready. And that's just kind of the reality. But but where this leaves me in question is what do you do on the right side of your infield? Because there's DJ Lomayhu, there's Glaber Torres, and then there's one of Voight and Rizzo. What do you do? Someone's the odd man out, and you can't and- DH them because Speaking of corpses, the corpse of Aaron Hicks, who played 91 games in two years, is probably going to DH and strike out 4,000 times. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, you know, the first thing I saw, thought of when I saw it this morning was, why are trading Urshela? I mean, he's arguably the best contact hitter not named to make you. On a team that struggles to hit for contact and strikes out a ton, I'm not complaining per se, but... Right. His glove is also good as golden. Yeah. And well, that's the thing. People forget Isaiah Kiner Falefa did beat Gio Rochelle in the gold glove race. Which is interesting, but they played two different positions. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely something to think about now for the Yankees as a whole. Aaron Boone said last winter the rest of the league has quote unquote closed the gap on us. I don't, first of all, I don't know how we can say that when the Yankees haven't been to a World Series since 2009. And now all of a sudden, and then he was saying we need to add pieces in October. Now he's saying we can win with what we've got. 
Liam, as much as we disagree, as much as we disagree, and I hate talking baseball with you because it's just us yelling at each other, you could not be more right right now. There, there's no gap. There hasn't been a gap for 15 years. And if I were a Yankees fan, I would be furious. No questions asked. <laughs> Do I seem happy? You seem thrilled, actually. Yeah, whatever. Get, get more guys that will strike out 200 times a year and hit 15 home runs. Uh, as opposed to getting guys that hit for average. But that's why I sit here, and that's why Brian Cashman makes the big bucks, right? Mm-hmm. I'd love to see you as GM for a day. love to see yeah. how you would quickly flip the, flip the script on so many things, no regard for big men Steinbrenner's money. But one thing I do know is that the big boss is definitely rolling around in his grave seeing what's going on right now. Yeah. It's an ugly situation. No kidding. Okay. College basketball. The tournament has been set, but here's the first question we must ask. And I see you readjusting your position to get ready for the this. Who got snubbed? Oh, um, I think I'm going to take the, the non-traditional route here because I can say Texas A&M got snubbed. I can say SMU got, got snubbed. Smoo, love them. I'm going to go with some of the seeding here, Liam. I, I don't take lightly to some of the mistakes that they made with the seeding. Um, first of all, the ACC was bad this year. In no circumstance should the ACC tournament winner ever be a double-digit seed for the rest of my lifetime. The fact that Virginia Tech is an 11 seed is wildly disgraceful. Uh, if we go over to the other side now, Tennessee should have been one of the first two seeds that for Tennessee to be a three seed is more disrespectful than putting Virginia tech as, as a double digit seed. It is wild. The disrespect that they're getting. And you know what? I feel like they're going to make him pay. It's going to be, I don't know if it's a cakewalk for Tennessee, but sure. Give them a three, 14 matchup. Who cares? There, there are so many teams that just are Iowa. Iowa just won the con- the conference tournament of what could be the hardest conference in all of of basketball, and if not, it's Tennessee, by the way. And Iowa's a five seed. It's nuts. It, nothing that nothing that they did makes sense. Okay, I'm a little angry already. If you can't, tell. I, have, I have a few things to bring up. All right, so first off. The Michigan Wolverines being an 11 seed and not having to play in one of the first four games early this week is a disgrace to every single team on that bubble. I cannot believe I forgot about that. Indiana Indiana should be in Michigan's spot, and Michigan should either be in the play-in or they shouldn't be in the tournament at all. They don't deserve to be in the tournament at all. You're sitting here and telling me that a 17-14 and team, I couldn't care less about what conference they're in. They they don't deserve to be in the tournament, plain and simple. they were no shows in the Big Ten tournament. Their regular season was a massive disappointment. The Wolverines were in the top five to start the regular season. And I'll give it to you right here, right now. If Michigan had the resume that Texas A&M had, Michigan gets in, no problem. And we're, and we're acting under the assumption that Michigan played the same schedule A&M played. If Texas A&M were in Michigan's shoes, no shot. This is a name brand pick. And it is disrespectful to the Rutgers, Notre Dame's, Indiana, Wyoming, 
and every single team on the bubble that didn't make it should be seeding right now. Now, elsewhere, you're right about Virginia Tech. The one team I feel like is given maybe a little too much credit is the Arkansas Razorbacks. Oh, did you see? Oh, just you wait. Oh, just you wait, Leo. Oh, really? Do you have? Oh, I, I kind of like where you're going. Did you? Do you see how bad they were against AM in the SEC tournament? That performance was nothing short of shameful. Uh, I think you're you're in for a, a treat then. Oh, okay. I think but honestly, for- honestly, you're right. You're right with the whole Michigan thing. It, it's crazy. Uh, if I'm Indiana, I'm mad. Like I'm I'm like more than mad. It's crazy. Um, it's it's just a name brand. It is, and we saw the same thing last year when Syracuse didn't have to play in the first four games. Granted, they proved why they didn't have to. But little spoiler alert here. When Michigan loses to Colorado State later this week, don't come crying back to me. Yeah. Well, people, right. people like Michigan in that game, though. I don't. I think they're crazy. Okay. <laughs> we have made you wait long enough. We each fill out a bracket. We're going to go game by game. Pretty simple. Starting out in the West, 1 through 16, it's pretty simple. Gonzaga's beating Georgia State. Uh, yeah. Like, what, what, <laughs> what do we have to even go off for that? All right. All right, eight nine Boise State Memphis. I did a little bit of research for this one, more so than I do for most other matchups, and I like the Broncos because they've been more consistent throughout the season and they're more battle tested. Absolutely with you. Uh, I've been on the Broncos all year. I know I don't want to sound like a little hipster and say I was there before, but I like them. I think Memphis is 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 way too uh, flimsy, honestly. Without question. Shout out Penny though. Okay, UConn New Mexico State. I would love to pick New Mexico State. However, the Huskies are too good. They're going to come in angry after a loss to Villanova as well. Absolutely agree with you. 5-12 is so enticing, but that's why they make three more of them. All right. 4-13 is a little more enticing. Arkansas, Vermont. You teased it earlier. I'm doing it. I'm taking the I'm doing it. They were beyond impressive in their win over UNBC in the American East Championship. They had been to this tournament before multiple times, mind you. And Arkansas looked nothing short of bad against Texas a and How can you justify picking them after what you saw? I know Vermont's at 13, but when it happens, you're going to look stupid. I No, I'm, I'm totally on that, UVM. That wasn't, that wasn't directed at you, by the way. No, no. I, I Listen, wasn't taken at me. UVM won their combined, the, their semifinal and final of their conference by, I think it was 80, 80 plus points combined, obviously. Uh the, the name of March Madness is who's playing their best basketball right now. And that is absolutely the Vermont Catamounts. Without question. Okay. Alabama versus the winner of Rutgers Notre Dame Wednesday night. Regardless, I'm taking the winner of Rutgers Notre Dame. First of all, I think Rutgers is going to win. Then they're going to beat Alabama. The Crimson Tide lost to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Alabama's horrible. They're not Alabama's good. really bad. Mm. I'm with you. Uh, but I think Notre Dame is going to beat Rutgers and then beat Alabama. Okay. That's our first disagreement. Okay. Texas Tech, Montana State. I like the Red Raiders. I'd love to go with the Wildcats, but just no. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like we may disagree here. Michigan State, Davidson. I'll let you go first this time. I have Davidson. Uh, wow. I, I, I don't like – okay. So there's something to be said about – 
a Tom Izzo team in March. They always pull through. They're always good. This is not your average Tom Izzo Michigan State team. This team is bad. Like, this team is hashtag bad. They they have no pieces. Hauser or whatever his name is. Hauser, right? Has been on the team for 53 years. Couldn't even tell you. I don't care. Give me Davidson, the fighting Steph Curry's. Not to mention the fact that the Wildcats are coming off of a loss to Richmond in the eight ten championship game. A game they blew, by the way. They had a double-digit lead in that game, unless I'm mistaken. And as for the Spartans, you're right. I'm, I don't, I'm not putting stock in them either. Give me Davidson to beat Michigan State. The Spartans will lose their first tournament game for the second straight year. Now, Duke, Cal State, Fullerton, I'd love to see the Blue Devils lose, but ah, we can move on. We can move wouldn't on. Wouldn't we all? Yep. Look okay. at us agreeing. We just will agree I, on every single pick. We just agree on every single pick. Will that happen this time around? Uh, well, um, I've, actually, I've actually got Norfolk State beating Baylor. No, I'm kidding. Baylor, all right, Baylor's I'm logging off. Baylor is beating Norfolk State. I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Carolina Marquette. It's an interesting one. Yeah, it, it definitely is interesting. Um, I'm leaning more towards UNC, honestly. Um, uh, you know, I already said it. I'm probably going to say it 55 more times. They're playing really good basketball right now. Um, you point towards the end of the season. Obviously, that loss – or that, that win against Duke, rather. Um, Marquette's 6-6 six and six against the top 25. Obviously, UNC is not much better at 2-4. and four. Um, But look at who UNC plays. Every Saturday, they're, they're going up against the Virginia Techs, Dukes. You know, even Syracuse gave them a little bit of trouble. But it's it's a weird game because I feel like this is by far the worst 8-9. Uh, but, you know, I agree. that's why they're 8-9. They're, they're, they're toss-ups. All right. So, I'm also going to pick UNC because, to be frank, Marquette looked horrible against Creighton in the Big East tournament. Right. And Creighton's a wagon. Yeah, Creighton's a wagon. Carolina ran into a team playing its best basketball this season in Virginia Tech. More on them later. I don't hold that too harshly against them, nor do I hold it against Duke. So I am picking the Tar Heels. Now, moving down the line, St. Mary's versus the winner of Wyoming and Indiana. I've got the guys. Me too. Look at us. Yeah, look Look at at us. You have a meme with uh, Paul Rudd? Look at us. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? Not me. Not me. Okay. <laughs> Please. Okay. UCLA and Akron. I'd love to see the Zips pull off the upset, but one thirteen four upset is enough for my bracket. Give me the Bruins. I, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> okay. Texas and Virginia Tech. The, this is – This is this, – you, you, you can go ahead. There cannot be a bigger 11-6 upset loss than the Hokies over the Longhorns. Thank the you, Virginia Leo. Tech Hokies are the hottest team in the country right now. And Texas, Texas is the war- Texas is the coldest team in the country. Texas is one of the coldest. They have a perennial choking hazard year in and year out. To not pick Virginia Tech would be disrespectful. If you don't pick the Hokies, something is wrong with you. I am fully on board with you. I, I really don't think Texas is – Texas being a six seed is honestly surprising, but yeah, it's it's also Texas, so who knows? Okay, Purdue, Yale. I would love to see another Kareem Prince press conference moment again. Sadly, I don't think that will be the case. 
I'm rolling with Watermakers. I am also going with Purdue, uh, the fighting JMOs. However, he did tell me that Yale will cover and make it a close game because they shoot a lot of threes, and Purdue apparently can't close out on anyone. So for all you betting fanatics, let's take the points. You would think they'd be able to close out with Zach Eady, who's seven foot three, but all right, Murray State and San Francisco. Ooh. This is one of the more enticing matchups in all of the bracket because you have two mid-majors at relatively high seeds. Now, when I look at these two teams, it's coming down to who's more battle-tested, and that's San Francisco. They play in the Tupper Conference, so I see the look on your face. This may be our first disagreement. I think the Dons upend the Racers. Yeah, this is our first disagreement. Uh, honestly, if Murray State wasn't matched up with Kentucky and they were with any other two seed, I'm put, I would put them in the Sweet 16. Uh, I, I really think Murray State is that good. Their last loss was a 13-point loss to Auburn on December 22nd. Yeah, real tough competition that was, to since then. That was last year. They have absolutely cruised through their conference. The, the, the next best team in their conference – um, I can't remember who it was, but they absolutely killed them. Uh, oh, them. oh, Belmont. Belmont. They won by 33 or 23. Yeah. Ooh, big world, Belmont. Belmont was 24 and 6. People are, listen, people are saying this Murray State team is better than the one with Ja. I'm not buying it. I mean, right. obviously, you don't have to buy seven, it then. They were a seven seed, but. Hey, when San Francisco wins, don't come crying back to me. Okay. Kentucky versus St. Peter's. Uh, you hinted at it earlier. I think the Wildcats win it. I'm going with them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm taking the St. Peter's Peacocks over Kentucky, something's wrong. All right. Arizona, and this is going to the South region round of 64 now. Arizona taking on Wright State or Bryant, pending the winner of that game. I think the Bulldogs take down Red State because they're from Rhode Island. Rhode Island is superior, but they're not going to beat Arizona. I have Bryant beating Arizona. No, you don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Peter Kiss is maybe the best Peter player. Kiss, Peter Kiss is a great name, but he's the best player in college basketball. He's not, actually. Arizona's going to cruise. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Seton Hall, TCU. Old friend Kadara Richmond. The Pirates are banged up. They don't have Jahari Long, who went to my high school. Shout out. But even if they had him, I still would take the Horn Frogs. They are one of the hottest teams in the country. And I see your face. I'm not going to throw too much guilt at you because eight, nine matchups are tough to comprehend. But I am going to stick with the hotter team, and that is TCU. I only make that face because I don't know. Genuinely, if I was able to skip out on a game, this would be the one because I have no idea. This this probably will come down to a coin flip for me. I, I am an avid Kansas fan. They beat the brakes off Kansas. TCU did, obviously. And I love the Big 12 until my very last day. I've seen better teams in this TCU nine seed. That being said, they could hang 80 on Seton Hall and win. So I think just... As a Big 12 homer, I'll probably take them. But either either way, this game is going to be close, and then it probably isn't going to matter. So, Okay. Moving down the line to Houston and UAB. You go first. 
that leads me to believe you have something cooking. So I'm just going to go with Houston. Uh, they have, they have, uh-oh, uh-oh. I haven't done my UAB research. I feel like I'm, I've, I've done okay with every other team, but Houston, uh, my rationale there is basically that they're just battle tested. You know, that they, they don't play in the best conference, but they've been to the tournament before. A five is, is slightly disrespectful for a team that can get as hot as they can. Um, yeah, you, real tough conference they're playing in. Yeah, well, that's true. You seem so, to be uh, chomping at the bit a little bit, so I'm going to hand it over. Back so to you. this is a, an old-school rematch, back from the old-school days of Conference USA, before Houston was in the American Athletic. The Cougars and Blazers would go at it toe-to-toe once, maybe twice a year. They were normally among the top dogs in the Conference USA. Normally, the Cougars would come on top. Sometimes the Blazers would come out on top because Houston used to dominate Conference USA. But today, UAB is going to beat Houston. The Cougars are fought. They don't play in a good conference. They lost to Memphis twice, the only competition in the American Conference. And now they're going up against the Blazers team that kind of sort of knows their style. I'm tempted to pick them, and I'm going to pick them. That hey. You do you, man. I'm I'm happy for you if UAB wins. I, I don't like Houston. I never have, especially after what they did last year. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pick Houston because I'm trying to win some money. But if UAB wins, listen. Power to you. Brightline's back at pool. We'll see about that one. That one's a little expensive. <laughs> okay, twenty dollars isn't terrible. <laughs> Okay, Illinois versus Chattanooga. Give me the Illini. They play well in the round one of the tournament every year. Not much more to be said. Did you say Illinois plays well in the first round every year? Uh, yes, they do. They collapse in the second round every year. I guess so, yeah. They were a one seed last year. You'd think they would play well last year. Uh, yeah, Chattanooga's run has, long, has run out. It, that's as simple as that. They, okay. they are here on a prayer, basically. Yeah. Okay. The, the fighting right. Silvio de Sosa's, though, I'll tell you. That guy was yeah. a jump scare when I turned that game on. Fact. Okay. Colorado State, Michigan. I told you earlier just how big of frauds the Wolverines are, and it's going to stay that way in March Madness. I am taking Colorado State to upend Michigan in the 6-11 game, and I will be very happy when it happens. I'm, I'm with you. Unfortunately, every single time I bet against Michigan, they absolutely kill me. So I'm sure that they'll blow Colorado State out. But when you look at Colorado State's uh, notable wins and losses, so they beat San Diego State once. They beat Boise State twice, who we are both on. They beat St. Mary's by 16, who we're both on. They split with Wyoming, who's a play-in team, and then they beat Creighton, who you and I are both very high on by 14. Don't care if it's in the beginning of the season. Those are really impressive numbers. I'm going to take them. I'm a little cautious just because I don't really know so much about them other than that Roddy kid. But we're going we're gonna to close our eyes and pray on them. <laughs> okay, Tennessee versus Longwood. I know someone that plays on Longwood. He went to my high school, but I'm sorry, bro. You're not beating Tennessee. The volunteers are too good, too hot. How can you not pick them? I agree. Okay. 7-10 is Ohio State in Loyola, Chicago in the South. 
I think I speak for everyone when I say, how can you not pick Sister Jean and the Fighting Ramblers? They have captured America's hearts twice in the past three March Madnesses. It's going to be three and four this weekend. Yeah, I feel you. Ohio State's one and four in their last five. So as, as, as important as it is for teams to come in hot, it's just as important to not come in one and four in your last five games. So I'm, yeah. I'm on the, the Loyola-Chicago train as well. True that. All right, last one in the South, Villanova-Delaware. Personally, I'd love to see the Blue Rabbits upset the Wildcats, but not going to happen. Yeah, I love, I love Delaware uh, since I was a kid. Not like love, love, like keep up with them, but great school, great place. Just not this year. <laughs> it's just All not. right. Last region, then we'll give you our final four picks. The Midwest, the 116, Kansas versus either Texas Southern or Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I've actually seen both these teams play live in person, not this year, but in the past. And neither of them had the talent or the capability to take down your Jayhawks, my friends. Yeah, I kind of I'd, I'd love it if they did, but no. Listen, I get more scared for 116 matchups than I do 1-8-9 and nine matchups. Because it's just it is scary, uh, but rumor has it that Texas Southern uh, and Corpus Christi are the two worst teams in the tournament by far. Like the two mm. worst play-in games, they're playing teams rather. Yeah, and A yeah. and M Corpus is south of my part of the state. Texas Southern a few blocks down the street from my house. Neither of them are winning anything. Give me the jobs. <laughs> okay, we hyped on this a little bit. San Diego State Creighton. I think I know where you're going with this one. Yeah, the, this has Creighton written all over it. Um, I really wish they weren't on Kansas's side of the bracket, let alone having to play them in the second round because I think they can go really, really far. Um, they have an insane interior defense, uh, and obviously Creighton is has always had great three point shooting. So those two things combined are basically upset makers. So I'm going to take the Blue Jays in that. Indeed. Moving down the line to 5-12, Iowa versus Richmond. Not going to lie. I was tempted to pick Richmond because of how hot they are. But the fact is, is that Iowa has Keegan Murray, one of the top players in the country. And Iowa is just as if not hotter than Richmond. So I have to take the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I'm going Iowa too. But this is one game that I don't think I'd be surprised if, if Richmond pulled it out. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Uh, right, Iowa okay. makes like 33s a game. So if they're making five threes a game and their luck's run out a little bit, Bohannon's the, you know, not not able to play in his 300th game, <laughs> then uh, Spiders might take it. But we'll see what happens. Yes, maybe. Okay. Oh. Providence, South Dakota State. The Flyers are only two-point favorites, even though it's a 4-13 matchup. Don't you dare. Uh, for the sake of this podcast getting done before midnight, I am go- it's also 9 o'clock. I'm going to take yeah. Providence. Uh, they have not done much to convince me as of late. They, they didn't look good against Curtin. They definitely did. We've been helping them up. Thought we've been helping them up. All right. I'm going to take Providence. How about that? 
Okay, thank you. And then after we get off, uh, we'll switch it. <laughs> okay, buddy. Uh, I've got the Friars. I mean, call me a homer all you want, but they played in close games all year against competition better than South Dakota State. They beat a Rhode Island team handily that is probably better than South Dakota State. So call my bluff all you want. Call me a homer all you want. I am rolling with the Providence Friars. John Bales, don't come crying when fire when the Friars come out victorious. Now, <laughs> LSU versus Iowa State. The Tigers are in a heap of trouble, but with the violations against Will Wade, he's now out as their coach. Truth be told, I think it's going to be too much for them to handle. I think the Cyclones take advantage of an opponent that is reeling and get the job done. Yeah, I'm on Iowa State here too. I really, I really don't think LSU is that good. They, they remind me a lot of Alabama, uh, unfortunately, and that's kind of funny considering how opposite those schools are and everything else. Um, and Iowa State's just had a bad draw. They're, they're in the Big 12. It's, it's the best conference in all of basketball, and so that's why their overall and their conference record is so bad. But uh, their defense, if they, if they're able to turn it up, then this is a dangerous team. Yes, it is. Okay, moving down the line. Wisconsin and Colgate in the 314 Midwest matchup, we know what the Raiders can do. Hmm. They came at Syracuse and with the few. They gave Arkansas a run for their money last year. That's not happening this I year. I still got Wisconsin. I still got Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah Wisconsin's running away with that. They have a they have a Johnny Davis. Colgate does not. No, they do not. Okay. Moving down the line. USC Miami is the 710. When I look at these two teams, on the one hand, you've got the Trojans. They're one side. They're kind of a one-man bunch by the name of Isaiah Mobley. However, the Hurricanes are much deeper with guys like Isaiah Wong, Charlie Moore, Cameron McGusty, to name a few. And they are resilient. They are killers. I think Miami beats USC in the round of 64. I also have Miami going with USC, but now I'm going to ask you, do you feel uncomfortable having all four tens beating sevens? No. Okay. Not at all. Crazy things have happened, have they not? That's true. I, I mean, look at the seven seeds. Michigan State, bad. Ohio State playing the worst basketball of any team in this tournament, other than the play-in games of the 16 seeds. USC has been... I think down. USC gets a bad rap because they're in the Pac-12 and they're playing UCLA and Arizona basically every day. Um, but the Murray State one, I'm sticking with that one. Easy. All right. Fair, fair enough. But we end Auburn, Jacksonville State. I would love to see JSU pull off a victory, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm with you. I got Auburn that one. Okay. Let's wrap it up. Final four, who is in New Orleans at the beginning of April? I'm, I get to go first. That's so nice of you. You know, I'm national champion too. Okay. I unfortunately was on the Nick's Elias podcast or Nick's Elias show this morning. So I, I can't switch my I can't switch my picks now. My final no, four consists of Gonzaga, Baylor, Kansas, and Villanova. It's a little chalky. But I think that, that that is a path. And where I think I struggle the most is having Baylor. A lot of people are pointing to them losing in the second round, playing UNC or Marquette. 
Baylor's Baylor's there for a reason, right? You, you don't just get a one seed for being just an okay team. Baylor is battle tested. Said it so many times. They play in the Big Twelve. That's enough battle testing that you need. Uh, Scott Drew is a good coach. You know he's choked many times before. Who cares? He's he's shown that he can do it. And you know they don't have uh, Butler anymore. They don't have Davion Mitchell. It doesn't matter to me. And then my final will be pains me to say it. Gonzaga beating Villanova eighty-one to sixty-nine. I think. Uh, on the Gonzaga side, they're just too stacked. This is the year that they do it. I, I hate saying that because I say it every year and it never happens. And then on the other side, just rip the Band-Aid off. Villanova owns Kansas. Like Villanova literally owns real estate on Kansas's property. Uh, Jay Wright is Bill Self's dad. That's a, that's all I got. Uh, I, I hate Villanova with everything I have, but I, I think they'll make the because of that Because of that one game. No. No, trust me. I I have seen more than than that one Kansas Villanova game where oh, things okay. went things went poorly. Okay, so my final four: Duke, Kentucky, Arizona, and Auburn. Woo! So Duke, I have a hard time thinking Coach K will not make the final four in his last season. Kentucky, I actually have Baylor going out to UNC in the round of 32. Right, that's right. And there's no reason Oscar Shibway can't dominate his way through the rest of the East region. Arizona is far and away the best team in the South. Tennessee will give them a run for their money, but no. Then Auburn will come into the tournament angry. Jabari Smith is going to hoist the Tigers to the Final Four. But the final four is as far as they go because the championship game will be Duke versus Arizona and the Blue Devils come out on top, 77-71. Coach K walks out a champion just like Tom Brady will this coming February. Spoiler alert. Hey, man. It's your picture painted any way you want it. But no one thought Coach K could lose that last game to UNC. That's, that's what I'm leaving you with. Hey, you know what that gives him? More field of the fire. True. Okay, Spencer, I can't begin to tell you how great it's been to have you on. Thank you so much for making your debut. Don't hesitate to come on again. Thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to, to sitting on my butt all week. Yeah, me too. After, after a long day of skiing. Okay. For Spencer Pierce, I'm Liam Griffin. Follow us on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast. That's F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. And if you want to be in Spencer's shoes, get in contact with me. We'll make it happen. But coming up later this week, it'll drop Saturday morning. Kyle Lochran will join me, and we're going to break down everything that happened in the round of 64 and preview every matchup in the round of 32. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you then.